Many shall arise and say, verse 5, I am the anointed. And a word is used here. Verse 4, deceive. Verse 5, deceive. Verse 11, deceive. Verse 24, deceive. What is he talking about? He says, I have told you about this before. Verse 25, when did he tell us before? Matthew chapter 7. Beware of the false prophets who will come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are savage wolves, spiritually. You will know them by what they produce. He goes on to tell us, warning the church, that the false prophets will preach and prophesy in my name. The false prophets will in my name cast out demons. The false prophets will work miracles in my name. But when I meet them, I will say, leave me. I never knew you workers of iniquity. Why? Because the false prophet uses Jesus' name. But the false prophet denies the authority of the Lord Jesus. Contradicts what the Lord Jesus said. The power of miracles, the power of exorcism. All this lies in Jesus' name. They can use the name, but that does not mean that they know him. The Staff of Moses, chapter one. We're gonna take one chapter per video, and we're gonna deal with the, the arguments and the points made uh, in this book by the World Mission Society Church of God. And, and we're just gonna kind of talk about it, we're gonna unpack it, we're gonna share our thoughts about it, and, and ultimately, um, we're gonna explain why, why we just think the arguments used in this book fail, and, and that's a big deal because of what this book is. This book, a lot of people listening right now probably don't even know what it is. And so, Kelsey, um, as a former member, just explain real quick, what is the Staff of Moses? So the Staff of Moses is a book of countermeasures that members, once they receive, once they like reach a certain level within the church, like completed all their, you know, core studies, the 50 subjects and test again on them, then they're given the chance to, to be able to learn how to preach the countermeasures that com that like general Christians have against some of the uh, commonly used verses by the, the World Mission Society Church of God. Um, and so, so yeah, that's what we'll be going over today. And um, so yeah, many members, they, they've never seen this book. Um, they're probably familiar with some of the things that are mentioned within the countermeasures, but, um, have not necessarily learned to preach them themselves yet. So, okay. So the staff of Moses, that's the name of this book. So Steve, we've talked about how difficult this book is to, to get. Um, and I guess maybe just talk really quick about why why do you think us doing this series on this book is important like why is it important that we are dealing with this specific book well jordan good to be on the show again um 
you know, a lot of groups have books like this. You know, uh, Jehovah's Witnesses came out with a book called Reasoning from the Scriptures. Mormons have a missionary pal. And, you know, they've eventually, as counter-arguments from Christians arise to a group, they eventually have got to be able to answer our arguments. So they'll often work on a more sophisticated treatment where they try to answer what we've been saying. And, um, you know, the Jehovah's Witnesses, they tried to come out with some tricky arguments on the Trinity and a lot of those kind of things when they came out with reasoning from the Scriptures. Well, this is their effort. So they came out with the Staff of Moses. And <clears throat> this book is, you know, the holy grail of their stuff and hardest to get. Uh, like you said a minute ago, a lot of their own members don't even know they have it. It doesn't exist. Like Kelsey said, you know, we they know they're familiar with some of the arguments on it. But just before I go into that, I'm just, well, just going to repeat what you said earlier, like, and Kelsey said, it's, they make it very hard to get this book. First off in this group, they don't exactly give out their literature like most groups. Most groups are hungry to kind of get their literature into mm -hmm. your hands. They think they're going to create a convert that way by getting literature in your hands. Well, this group's kind of unique that, you know, they don't want to give it to you until you're kind of worthy and able to get it. And Kelsey can testify to this, and people listening and members of the church or former members will know that what happens is you go through a certain kind of track in this. You get baptized in to the group. And then six months after you're baptized, often you're going to get like the green book probably is your first book. You're going to eventually, after a while, get all the rest of the books. And like Kelsey said, you're going to do the 50 lessons. You're going to get, you know, proved on all the 50 lessons. And then after a while, you know, at a certain point, if they trust you, they like you, you're doing your ties, you're preaching everything then they're going to give you Staff of Moses. They're not just going to give it to everybody. They make it just impossible to get. Very few people often in design are going to have it. Um, so since, you know, the arguments are out there and used, and they, and they feel that these are the most powerful, these are the cream of the cream yeah. arguments. You know, the studies are based around shooting down a lot of arguments of, you know, historic, traditional, Orthodox Christianity. Christianity, but gonna, right. Yeah, yeah. And they're going to try to one-up it here and try to say, aha, so these are their apologetics, their countermeasures. So we've definitely, you know, got to be able to go against this. They used to use a book a lot called the Evidence Book, and they've had other books through the years. You know, I have all kinds of them that they've, you know, used over the years. And a lot of, you know, members might know some of these books, but these mm -hmm. are all kind of countermeasures. But the current one that they're using is uh, Staff of Moses. So we're going to go through a series. There's 20 chapters in there. They'll deal with different subjects. So we're going to go bit by bit dissect and show basically how it's, they're completely unbiblical. They've got sloppy reasoning. And here's why you should not believe in the staff of Moses. And there's a much better way. Okay. So with all that said, um, we're going to just jump in to chapter one. And we're going to look at, we're going to look at some of the arguments that they present. And then we're just going to begin to unpack some of those and show why, from our perspective, their arguments simply fall flat and do not work. Um, so chapter one, um, the title is Two Meanings of the Wife of Christ. And so, Kelsey, just give us like a, a just a really quick brief overview real quick of what is this chapter about? What is kind of the primary thing they are trying to accomplish with this chapter? Well, the primary thing they're trying to accomplish is to explain that 
the the bride and the book of revelation uh can represent god the mother that it doesn't have to represent the saints just because other places in the bible bride of christ represents the saints so they use a couple of examples they um they show the verses that uh general christians uh, will show that the saints represent uh the bride of christ and then they go into explain the example of like the word lamb the word lamb has multiple meanings in the Bible. Like if you see like Old Testament, if it says like lamb, it could refer to like a physical lamb. In the New Testament, Jesus said, feed my lambs, which is in reference to, you know, feed, you know, the saints, my people. And then um, the word lamb capitalized, you know, as we know, represents Christ. Right. So right. Um, it's the same word. But three different meanings because of different contexts, right? So a single word in the Bible can have more than one meaning depending on the context. So even though verses like Ephesians chapter 5 and 2 Corinthians chapter 11, it clearly says that the bride of Christ is the saints. That doesn't mean all throughout the Bible that if you see the word bride, it's referencing saints. That in right. Revelation, the bride does not reference saints, but it actually represents God the mother. And that's their whole argument. And then yep. they show some uh, excerpts from Ansang Hong's books. But um, but yes, yeah, so that's the so, basis of it. So yeah, so that's that's the first point. And I don't think we need this, this very first argument that they make is basically what you just said, that in the Bible, um, and, and, and again, to kind of set this up, what they're trying to do is Christianity for 2000 years has said that the bride of, of Christ is the church, is the saints. Mm -hmm. and, and, and in my mind, that's just obvious. That's the, t the consistent testimony in both Old and New Testament. It's always God's people who are constantly being referred to and uh, uh, said to be the wife of God, the, the you know, e even God giving the law of Moses, I think pictures like this covenantal marriage-like relationship that he was entering into with his people, Israel. And then over and over again, like in Hosea, you see God calling Israel like an adulterous wife. And so it's always been in the Bible, the people of God are the wife of God. And so Absolutely. that's something that immediately stands out to me as, as this, this isn't necessarily what I would call like a strong counter argument to their idea that God the mother is the wife of Christ. But it is, I, in, in my mind, it's, it's something worth at least saying that if the Bible, the testimony of the Old Testament and the New Testament consistently clearly says that the, the one who is the wife of Christ is the people of God, mm -hmm. um, that, that has to mean something. And, and so I guess, Kelsey, like for you as a former member, one question I have that again, I'm not, I'm not assuming this is a strong argument or anything compelling necessarily to a member, but in my mind, when I see the Bible saying the, the wife of God is the saints, and then I see the, the WMSCOG saying that mother God is the wife of the lamb, it almost seems like if that is true, if, the, if mother God is the bride of Christ in Revelation, it seems like the Bible then sort of presents an idea of God as being a, a polygamist. As if like, because he's pretty clear that, that yes, there's symbolism in this description of the people of God being his bride, but it goes much deeper than just symbolism. Like when the people of God rebel and reject the covenant of God, it's not just this symbol of adultery. Like they are literally committing mm -hmm. spiritual adultery against their husband. And so right. if the people of God are the bride of God, but yet mother God is also the bride, does that not... And Steve, you chime in on this too, but in my mind, doesn't that present God 
as a polygamist, as having multiple wives, multiple partners. That's interesting. <laughs> I mean, that's an interesting argument for sure. I mean, two wives. Yeah, that'd be polygamy. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, the Bible says, you know, I, I don't. Yeah. I mean, I, I see your point. I see your point. It's a good point. <laughs> okay. Okay. So maybe it's stronger Jordan, than I'm thinking. I don't know. <laughs> I just, I just want to share, a, I think what I think is a real powerful problem with this group but, you know, so in this chapter, chapter one, the two meetings of the wife of Christ, they kind of start off first by saying, you know, the grounds of us, the opposers, right? And they say that, uh, you know, words can have more than one meaning. They kind of do it in three sections, the thing. The first thing is right. that, you know, words can have more than one meaning. Uh, and they, they first spell it out first by saying, okay, point one is that, you know, us opposers, we try to say that the bride is really the church. And then number point number two is that, there's two meanings for lamb. So let's how, see how words. Now, this is, this is, I think, really important. They try to, this is the kind of crux of their argument. You know, we're assuming, after they've done point one, that the bride is the church, that there can be more than one meaning for a specific word. Aha. And then they go to point three for them, and it's the wife of the lamb has two meanings. So point one is that, you know, the posers say that the bride is the church. Point two, words can have more than one meaning. For example, Lamb has two meanings, and therefore the wife of the lamb has two meanings. Now, one thing, it's been really frustrating studying this group, is that this is their favorite tactic. They have this thing, I might have mentioned it before with you guys, that they love to take a word and they find it one place in the Bible, meaning one thing. Mm. They, are, they are guilty of this in any other culture group out there. They'll find a word and they'll say, ah, it means this in one context, but then you go to another book and it means something else, and they'll kind of switch the terms and right. that's how they come to stuff. So, for example, Kelsey would know this one. You know, um, if we say Christ is coming with the clouds, right? We'll mm. often say that to say, hey, Anson Hong can't be second coming Christ because it says right there as clear as day in the Bible, Messiah would be coming with the clouds. Kelsey, you know what the answer is, right? Book of they Jude. They say coming in the clouds right? means coming in the flesh. Right. Yeah. Right. And they're going to go to Jude, right? And they go to uh, right. I think Job, right? And they'll say, hey, see, it's used in that context as flesh. Therefore, we're going to swap the meaning somewhere else. The big, right. her, big hermeneutical problem with the group is that they don't look at context ever. They'll take one place where a word is used metaphorically and, okay, it's used this way, but it's still used that way, but metaphorically. Then they'll put the context where it's meant literally and they'll, they'll do this thing where they go A equals B. And B equals C, so A is ought to equal to C. And, you know, contextually, when they say Jesus is coming with the clouds, you know, the stand, it's, it's been, it's, it's, a, it's a common theme throughout the Old Testament. It's nothing to do with the way the clouds that they've ever said. And they just like to kind of substitute words to kind of use this word tricky, the semantic equivocation mm -hmm. to try to get out of stuff. And that's exactly what they're doing here. And when I've read Ansan Hong's books himself, like the Green Book, I, I just cringe reading that book because the way he swaps concepts, completely unrelated parts of the Bible, and saying, well, if it means this over here, then it's got to mean this over here. And, you know, this is the whole thing they're doing. They're trying to mm -hmm. trick, I think, weak-minded people who are not really studying biblical themes. And I think a lot of what this comes down to is there's a dominant meaning of a certain phrase that's used in a theological way in the scriptures. In the Old Testament, you know, Israel was the bride of God. In the New Testament, the church is the bride of God. Right. Um, in Ezekiel chapter 4, verse 22, he says, you know, you are my firstborn. 
you know, there. In uh, Ezekiel chapter 16, it, God talks about his unfaithful wife. Uh, you find it in Hosea, the whole imagery of, you know, the, the harlot and the wife, the whole imagery. And then you come to the New Testament, like, you know, we, we already said Ephesians 5, 2 Corinthians 11. It's a theological concept gone throughout the New Testament. And they just right. want to try to find some off, you know, thing. And, and the whole principle here is just because something could mean something doesn't mean that it automatically right. does mean something. Right. Just because Mother God, you know, it could mean something other than the bride, you know, it definitely, we'll get into that probably in depth later, but it doesn't mean that it automatically is going to be Mother God. Right, and even even in here it says, you know, it it's depending on context, right? But, you know, the, the, ver the few verses where they say bride represents God the mother, when you read those contexts other than just the, you know, one or two verses that they point out, when you read like this, the verses like before and after, it's very clear that even in Revelations 19, 21, 22 that they reference, it is talk, the bride is the saints. It is very mm -hmm. clear. And that's coming from me who for 10 years said bride is the God, the mother, you know, when you so, read the context, it's very, very clear. So you're saying you having come out of this group and finally kind of looking at revelation, maybe without the WMSCOG lenses, just right. looking for yourself at the context of the book itself mm -hmm. and probably considering the rest of the testimony of the scriptures, you're seeing that the context itself demands in a sense that this, this is the church. It's just clear. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, so, and let's look at the theological meaning from a Christian perspective, the way Christians have seen it for like forever. So the, the, the idea in the Old Testament is that Israel was God's wife and, you know, the one that, you know, it's that imagery has been there throughout. Um, and then that comes over to the New Testament again, where the church is the bride. And, and you know, the church, you know, has been sinful, but washed in Christ's blood. Now we've gone from scarlet garments to white garments, like a, a wedding, uh, a, someone getting ready for a wedding, a bride. And, you know, it's, we're not, again, we're not saved by keeping seven feasts in three times or good works. You know, how are we washed in Christ's blood? We're washed by accepting the sacrifice that Christ did on the cross in our place for something we couldn't do. He paid our place on the cross for something we couldn't do ourselves. And when God looks at the believer, he doesn't see our sins. He sees the righteousness of Christ. When the Father looks at you and me, he sees Christ's blood. He sees Christ's righteousness. Even after we've sinned, we've done something wrong by omission or commission, he sees Christ's righteousness in us. So he's preparing a bride, a spotless bride. This is the theme of the New Testament. And that bride is a, a church that's been redeemed, <clears throat> being sanctified, being washed in the blood, being clothed in white in preparation for the Lord to return back as a conquering king, and we're going to, you know, have that uh, heavenly uh, marriage, like you find in Revelation, with the consummation of time, and that's the whole theme of us, you know, walking in holiness to be to be clothed in white. The theme throughout Revelation yep. is that we're preparing for that wedding day, as our former sins are washed away, and He sees as righteous as a beautiful bride. The church is the bride of Christ. That's a theological kind of background to the Old and New Testaments. Right. And yeah. so I'm, I'm aware, having been dealing with this specific group for around three years or so now, actually, I, I have friends that are in, in inside the church. So I'm talking to 
you know, I, I talk to different people, whether in or having been out of the church. And so I'm aware at this point that probably uh, 99% of everything we just said, there we're just sending every member into, um, I don't know if you want to use the word like a trigger moment of like, well, what about this argument? And what about this? And what about that? And and what about the fact that, that the, yeah. you know, there's the, the, the bride and the guests at the wedding and, 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 mm-hmm. Uh, what about the fact that it's the bride who's giving the water of life and all these things? So I just want to acknowledge, I know that you're, you, you've got a lot of things that immediately you're hearing this little amount that we've said and you're saying, oh yeah, but what about this? And, and, and so I'm saying that to say, please just keep listening because in, if not in this video, I think we're going to get probably to a lot of those in this specific video, but we're going to, going to address hopefully all, all of those, or at least most of the, the most um, prominent ones that might be coming to your guys' minds immediately. Those will be addressed in this uh, series. Um, but I think I just want to summarize really quick kind of what, what this, this opening kind of beginning section of this book is saying kind of what we've said so far is they're again they're looking at christianity who says the bride and revelation is the church this is a key verse for the world mission society church of god they need this verse these verses about the bride of christ they need to be able to use them in their own way to point to mother god if they don't have this then then this is like a, a knocking out one of the leg a major leg of their table and so what they're doing is they're looking at the Christianity who says, this is the bride of Christ. And they're saying they use verses like Ephesians 5, where obviously Paul says that the church is the bride of Christ. Then they mention 2 Corinthians 11. So they look at 2 Corinthians 11, Ephesians 5, and they say, yes, there are places where the New Testament does say that the church is the, the bride or the wife of Christ. But then they move to the second point. They, they say, but words in the Bible can have two meanings. And so then they go to John 129, where it talks about Jesus being the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And then they contrast that with verses where it says that the church are sheep. We are the lambs. We are the sheep who follow Jesus as the shepherd. And so they're basically saying, aha, words symbols in the Bible can have two different meanings. A sheep in the Bible can refer both to Jesus and to the saints. And so they're saying you have to look at Revelation and we have to ask the question, when it mentions the bride, you can't just assume that just because the bride is the church in Ephesians 5 and 2 Corinthians, you can't assume that therefore the bride is also the the church in Revelation. And to that point, I just say, I agree. I I actually agree with that. I think words can have two meanings and we shouldn't just assume that revelation, the bride and revelation is the church just because it says that in other places. And so up to this point in their argument, I really don't have a problem with it. I just say, yeah, I agree. I think that's, that's reasonable logic. Um, I, I agree. Words have two meanings and I agree. A lamb can both represent the church and Jesus. And so, yeah, there could be different, uh, there could be different meanings behind the wife of Christ or, or, or the symbol of a, the wife of God. But this is, this is what I would say to that though. When the Bible talks about the lamb of God, now that's a, a more specific uh, and obvious symbol that is only ever applied to Jesus. When the Bible talks about lambs, uh, plural or sheep, plural, well, yeah, that, that opens up maybe a more variety of, of ways that that symbol might be used. Yeah, the lamb versus the lamb versus we're a group of sheep. Yeah, 
And these are, that's the theological meaning. See, these words are theologically rich. And I think one thing, sorry to interject here, but I think one thing that's really important is there's two ways to kind of approach this stuff. You know, certain things are very sometimes a little tricky to understand in the Bible. And you have to look, try to understand the difficult things by the clear things. That's, I think, a good biblical principle. Right. The things that yep. are more complex, you looked at the things that are super clear, right? Well, you know, sometimes you have to answer these linguistic things by a theological response. So theologically, we can step away from the words. This is where I, this is where I know for sure that there's no way that this means there's a female deity. Because mm -hmm. theologically, it doesn't jive at all with the picture that there's two gods in the Bible. The Bible is super clear, cover to cover, that there's one God. So theologically, we answer the linguistic issue. I hope that's clear for everyone. Yep. So even though yeah. words can have more than one meaning, how do you ascertain which meaning it is? Theologically, yeah. by going to the scriptures. So one example I'd love to use with people in the, the Church of God. So just like we, I gave the example about you know clouds, right? And they kind of manipulate the word cloud. They say, I got you. See, that's not how clouds is always used. Therefore, it can mean people. Well, the same thing is where Jesus said, beware, uh, the kingdom of heaven is like uh, leaven, right? Then Jesus said, beware the leaven of the Pharisees. Ah, now the kingdom of heaven is evil. Because mm -hmm. beware, right. the kingdom of heaven is like leaven. Okay, so the leaven's right there. It's kingdom of heaven. Jesus said, beware the leaven of Pharisee, which is bad. So now the kingdom of heaven is bad. So you can play word games and twist yourself up like this. Look at what you just did. This is the same kind of sloppy yep. methodology that is going to cost people their souls in this group because they're not taking the time to look a little deeper. Steve, you said a, a good point I think is important is a way of interpreting the Bible that I think is just a really good foundational basic principle of interpreting clear, clear doctrines, using the clear teachings, things that are just clear, you interpret the unclear things based on the clear thing. So, so for example, and, and let's not go here because we're going to have to do this in, in a, I think, chapter when we get to the third or fourth video in the series about God. But when the Bible over and over establishes that there is one God, that becomes what you must consider a, a clear doctrine. And then you, if, if something comes up, like an unclear passage, that's like, well, this seems like it maybe might be saying there's two gods. You can know, wait, I'm going to go to the clear passages that have already entirely established that idea is out of the question. And I'm going to interpret that unclear passage with this clear passage. Yeah, they've only got like three verses. You know, they like, right, Kelsey, they got three verses. Genesis, Galatians For, 4, Genesis 1, well, Galatians and the 4. Revelations. Those are the yeah. main ones. They have a, they have a few extra. Um, it's not more than ten for sure, but um, those are the main. And they're ones. a stretch. They're a stretch. Right, right, right. I mean, but the, what the, I mean, you know, what the WMS might argue is that um, the reason why she's not made so clearly known throughout the Bible is because the appointed time for her to be known is in the last days. So mm -hmm. they say she's like, a, you know, she's a mystery, right? Until the mm -hmm. last days when, you know, second coming Christ will reveal to us who she is. Or okay. the, that, that assuming, she exists and who she is. Yeah. But I was going to say, they're assuming what they're trying to prove. This whole argument is based on an assumption. It's, it's not mm -hmm. based on anything right out of the text. They're, try, they're assuming the very thing circularly what they're trying to prove. Yes. Mm -hmm. Right. That's That's exactly right. It's like saying... If an atheist asks me, why do you believe the Bible's true? It's like, well, I believe the Bible's true because the Bible says it's true. And 
you know, that might sound like a, a really good faithful, you know, thing to say and like this really God honoring statement to make, but ultimately that's just stupid. Like if I give that mm -hmm. reply, that's a stupid reply that makes me look stupid and it makes Christianity look stupid and baseless. Um, so yeah, I think it's important, I think to some measure that, that uh, people have an awareness of uh, philosophical fallacies, of, of ar ways of arguing that are fallacious, that are uh, established as being um, untrue as, as certain as it is that one plus one doesn't equals three, it, it, there's these principles of arguing and, and reasoning that have also been established as faulty ways of arguing. And what you just mentioned is one of those, which is circular argument. And that's, that's in large part what they do with Mother God is, again, like you said, they assume that Mother God exists, not because the Bible anywhere says that. And then because she exists, they know that's what this verse is saying, sort of. Exactly. They're, and like the verse in Revelation, like, hey, it says in chapter one here, the staff of Moses, you know, the wife of the lamb has two meanings. And it's like, well, look right in Revelation. Here's an example of what we're talking about, the two meanings. Well, there's not, there's no reason not to say it's the saints. That's the dominant meaning, the theological, the developed theological theme through the New and Old Testaments. And the burden of proof, I'd say, is on them to prove otherwise. Just like we theologically, we're going to get to the fact that, hey, for you to say that there's a more than one God, period, when the Bible is explicit again and again that there's only one God, you know, the burden of proof is to show you have to show me how there's more than one God, not how me to show you, you know, that yep. there's not. Well, here, too, they're just kind of reading it in. Well, they yeah. believe that they, they do have proof <laughs> by right. showing those verses. They think that is and their none proof. of them hold up. And yeah. but then again, when you look at the context, yeah. And, and again, on top of that, the theological meaning is shut down really hard by verse after verse after verse, where God says there is no other God. We'll get to all that. Yep. Yeah. So there's this idea again that the Lamb of God. So again, we're saying I think I think we're in agreement that we agree words had different meanings. We have no problem with that argument so far that they're putting forth in this book. Um, but I think we have to differentiate between when there's more of openness to interpret these symbols and when, again, these symbols have already been clearly established. So when the Bible talks about the Lamb of God, it seems like that's what that symbolizes should not be up for debate. And I think it'd be the same way where you could say, yes, a wife or a bride could be used in the Bible to symbolize multiple different things. But when you see the Bible refer to the wife of God or the, the wife of Christ, the bride of Christ, that seems to be a, a symbol that is established over and over through scripture that when you see that, that symbol being used of the wife of Christ, you shouldn't really have a question about who that is because it's already been clearly established. And so I, I think we let's move on from that point there. Um, and I know for different people, that's going to hold either a zero weight or maybe a little bit. But um, let's move on to, um, well, first, I want to bring up, I think this is hugely important. I want to bring up Ong Song Hong uh, and from one of his books and, and look at some of his interpretations of who the the bride of Christ is in Revelation. Um, I want to get Kelsey. I know you had a couple of verses, but first I'm I'm going to read this kind of 
This is out of the staff of Moses. This is sort of like a what I'd consider kind of a summary statement of, of the argument that they give that we've just presented. So um, against this is from the staff of Moses chapter one. They say, can we posit that or can we can we argue that the bride, uh, the, the bride of the lamb, the wife of Christ in Revelation 19 and 22 indicates the church or the saints? And they say, no, we can't. The wife of the lamb who gives the water of life at the heavenly wedding banquet only refers to the heavenly mother. So in this chapter, they begin by refuting the Christian perspective of who or thinking they're refuting the Christian perspective. As Steve is saying, they don't really refute it. They don't really give you any good reason to believe that. Yeah, they give good reason to believe that there could be different interpretations to the word bride or wife, but they don't give a good reason to then go to the giant leap of saying, since it, there could be different meanings, that must mean this means mother God. Uh, they don't right. they don't back that up. They just kind of say it as if it's matter of fact, and it's not. They're, they don't give any support. Right. And so I want to look at Ong Song Hong and kind of what he said about that. But first, Kelsey, I think, I don't know if you have any thoughts. I know before we, we started, you had a couple scriptures. I don't know if you wanted to look at some of those now. Well, or if maybe, this is a good I mean, time to jump into Ong Song Hong. Mm, well, the, the things that I wanted to look at were surrounding Revelation 19, 21, and 22. And that's a whole other rabbit hole to go down. Yep. So maybe. Well, I think we might. We're probably going to get to there because right, Ong Song Hong right. directly quotes those specific passages and gives yeah. his interpretation of who the bride is, the wife of Christ. And so I think that will maybe give opportunity to. Not only look at what he says, but then um, right. you can give, we can all kind of talk about what, what we think it means. So, right. okay. So, so what we're going to do is we're going to look at a book um, called Problems with the New Jerusalem, the Bride and Women's Veils. So this is a book that maybe some of you in the World Mission Society Church of God will be familiar with. Some of you will not. Some of you are going to hear me mentioning that and, and maybe tune me out and say, oh, well, I already know about that. I know there's nothing there to worry about. Again, please just listen to what we have to say. Um, so this is, this is a book that Ong Song Hong wrote. And in this book, he writes specifically about this topic. He writes specifically about the topic of who is the bride of Christ in Revelation 19 and 22. And, and this so, book is not available by the World Missionary Church of God, but right. the New Covenant Passover Church of God has it available. So if anyone wants to read it, <clears throat> just look on the New Covenant Passover Church of God website. It's right there. Well, because we'll, we'll put a link in the, the video description yeah. where you can look at this book yourself. So he he says some things in this book that are uh, profoundly related to this topic, profound, profound responses to chapter one and two of this book. Ong Song Hong says some things. He has some teachings in here that... If you read them, and we're going to get into them and, and show you them specifically, but they refute this book. I mean, they refute at least the first couple chapters. Now, Kelsey, as we talked about before, for members, they're going to hear that. And for those who know anything about this book, they're going to think immediately, uh, well, that doesn't matter. Uh, this book is, is, in their mind, this book of Ong Song Hong, again, problems with the New Jerusalem, the Bride and Women's Veils, anything Ong Song Hong says in this book, in their minds, is irrelevant. And maybe right. explain that, explain why that is, explain why, uh, before just set, kind of set the stage about why what we're about to read from Ong Song Hong might not be all that compelling to them. Right. 
So when I was a member, I was told that this book was written because a woman in the church named Um Suin, she stole notes from An Sung-hong's bag and wrote a book claiming that she is God the mother. So um, An Sung-hong, knowing that it was not the right time to reveal God the mother, wrote this book as kind of like a special measure situation to say, to like be, to definitively say there is no God the Mother so that people would not think that there's a God the Mother because it was not the right time for her to be revealed. So the the members like who've heard about this book, which I don't imagine is everybody, but the members who have heard about this book, they're not going to be concerned with, or they might not be concerned with what is actually written in the book because to them it's like, okay, An Sang Hong wrote this because he had to make it clear that there was no God the Mother so that he could reveal her at the appointed time. So, um, yep. okay. there's a lot in that to, to pick right. apart, but right. I mean, so, that's the, the summary of it all. So basically there was this woman in Ong Sung Hong's day who began to say, I'm mother God and Ong Sung Hong had to write this book in order to refute that idea. And in doing so, he made some, um, he interpreted the Bible and the scriptures in such a way that maybe are misleading now. And so the book has been taken away. Mother said it's it's irrelevant or, or however they right. would put that. So, okay. So can you guys tell me what what could we draw from inside the book? What could we take from Ong Song Hong's own words that would counter that idea? That would, that would, what can we look at in the book that would make us think that maybe Ong Song Hong has a different story to tell, that this book is still relevant, that members should still listen to what he has to say, that this isn't something that, that was just for a limited time? Is there anything right. in the book itself that Ong Song Hong said that would make us think that, no, that's not true. This is still, in Ong Song Hong's mind, this wasn't some temporary right. uh, teaching. Right. You know, there's absolutely the, the preface. The preface is the biggest thing of this book. And so like, because in this, in the preface, I mean, it starts off with saying, and, and I'll just read a little excerpt. It says this booklet was published to prevent troublemakers who misinterpret and behave fanatically, explain the errors in the books, in the books that I'm suing published and testified the unchanging truth of the church of God. And so this sentence packs a lot because first of all, we were told that, first of all, Um Suin was not just a random person in the church. She actually was a missionary in the church. So she was somebody who had like a title in the church. And so um, we were told that she, first of all, she stole his notes. He doesn't mention anything about her stealing the notes. And we were told that she wrote a book, but here it says she wrote books, meaning mm. there's more than one. So the WMS has never you know, shown us any of the books she's ever written or any of the excerpts where she claims to be God the Mother. We're just told she wrote a book claiming she is God the Mother. So uh, An Sang Hong, he's saying he wants to, through this, he wants to explain the errors in her books um, and testify to the unchanging truth of the Church of God. So, um, so the WMS will say like, oh, uh, the purpose of this book is just to, you know, show um, how I'm suing. She is not God the mother. And so, but when you read further, again, this is unchanging truth of God. Yeah. So whatever he's writing in this book is something that's not going to change is what he's saying. And that's then something he, that, 
that's something that can't be underemphasized. I think again, for members yeah. who are coming into this, you have you might have this idea that oh, I don't need to think about this particular book that Aung San Hong wrote because it was only right. for a temporary time, a temper uh, a specific purpose, and now it's irrelevant. Well, listen, if Aung San Hong is God, which you are convinced he is, mm -hmm. why did he say this is the unchanging truth of God? You have to do something with that because you had the World right. Mission Society, Church of God saying, no, this was the this is a, just a changing truth. This was right. God's truth that he gave for a time and now it's changed. It's irrelevant. It's different. But Aung San Hong himself is saying, no, this these things I'm about to write are the unchanging truth of God. That's something right. that cannot be. You can't just pass over that. You have to do, you have to do right. something with that. And, and not only that, but in the next paragraph, he writes, he says, um, women like Um Suin. So it's not just talking about just Um Suin, just missionary Um Suin. It's talking about women like Um Suin have caused a great problem to arise with her corrupt ideas and how can they be forgiven? They have spoken insolently with their own lips and through their hmm. books, again, plural books, have spoken corruptly by interpreting the book of Revelation as they please. So again, wow. not just Um Suin, but it's women like Um Suin. So there are multiple hmm. women, right, who are interpreting the book of Revelation as they please. And then the next paragraph says, you must take special care not to be deceived by these corrupt people ever again. Wow. Ever Any again. woman who comes along and does this, the yeah, warning's so, out there. Yeah, because he knew this would happen again in the future. So he's getting, mm -hmm. so the last paragraph of this, you know, preface, he's saying, please take special care not to be deceived by these people who, these people who are interpreting the book of revelation as they please ever again. And then ever what do again. we see after his death? The, the WMS using these verses, which we can only presume um, Suin had wrote in her book because he's using these verses right. in revelation and he's, you know, explaining away why they're incorrect. So using those same verses, the WMS um, and Kim Joo Chol and Jung Gil Ja, you know, say she is God the mother. That Jung so, Gil Ja is so God the mother. Now the WMS is using the same arguments that yeah. Um Su Win used to say I'm Mother God. They're now utilizing those same scriptures right. to say that Zhang Gil Ja is God. Again, the yeah. same scriptures that Aung San Hong directly looks at in this book and refutes and says, no, these right. verses aren't about Mother God. Go ahead, Jordan. When, let me bring in a, a really powerful point here. So when I was saying it before, I was asking kind of rhetorically, like, hey, if An Sung Hong wrote more scriptures or, or, well, to them, a scripture, like more books, wouldn't you want to know, Mr. or Miss member of the WSCOG, wouldn't you like to be able to read his stuff? Well, here's your answer why they don't publish it. Because it contradicts right. their stuff. It contradicts the same way stuff. they left three chapters out of this book. You know, they're going to cherry pick what they're going to publish as long as they can manipulate, you know, this dead now Ansung Hong to back up what they said. They're going to publish that part. They would never want to publish this book because this book would utterly destroy them. It's, it, this book is almost like the ultimate slap in the face to Ansung Hong. <clears throat> you know, he just, I'm uh, sorry, what the church is doing right now is almost like yes. the ultimate slap in the face because he spent right. time. For, for he said this for for all time unchanging. We're going to tell you reasons why you can't look at a female god, and we're going to go through the verses, you know, and th th you know most of the verses that they're using now are the very verses that he, you know, refutes in this book. So that's why you're not getting right. the book. 
And and one other thing I want to point out is again, you know, I can I can already hear the church saying, well, you know, you haven't seen um Suin's book, so how do you know what's in that book? But again, you know, An Sang Hong saw that book, and he's refuting the claims in that book right. in this book that he wrote. Right. So we can know. And- even though we haven't seen the book, we have an idea of what was in her book. And then the WMS, we know what they teach. They're teaching the exact same points. And so right. when we think about it, did the WMS COG get their teachings from Ansang Home or do they get their teachings from missionary Um Suin? Yeah, that's the right. question. And, and, and this should keep you guys up at night. I mean, you know, <laughs> yeah. this is a serious thing, guys. Anybody who is listening to the show... You need to ask yourself, what does the church have to hide? Why are they not letting you see Father's words? You know, this is very mm-hmm. serious. It's like if, if my pastor at my church said, okay, uh, you can no longer read the book of Acts and Mark, just out of the blue, or let's take Exodus out too. You're not going to read the book. Well, what the heck are you trying to hide? You know, Well, let me say th- something to that, Steve, because a lot, a lot of members, I think, would counter that, and, though, and say – they're not hiding it from us. Like I, I've seen this book. You know the the leaders have not from the, the leaders church. have told me about this book. They've taught you know they've taught lessons about this book and why why you know so. I, I but can, they try to a, get in front of it because we have brought it up to yeah. them because they've well, been publishing it. I can tell you right now that a member in good standing of the church would not read this book. Unless they were advised by the pastor in order to be able to, like, you know, um, refute some, like, internet claims like that, that people like us make, right? I can tell you the majority, 99% of members have not read this book. The church will occasionally um, do seminars um, on things like people like us say online. I'm sure we've been the subject of a seminar before. Um, you know, so what people say. And I'm sure that they brought up this book. And maybe they've taken like little pieces out of this book to explain their point, but mm. they have not shown everything in its entirety. And again, 99% of members have not read this book. If they say they have, I would really challenge that. There would be a mass exodus of people from the group if this yeah. group, if this book was out there. If they put right. this book in their bookstore, you know, you know, the church was split overnight. Mm-hmm. So you're saying that, um, it maybe it's true. It, you know, members hearing us saying, you've never heard this book. They're hiding it from you. Why are they hiding father's words, which is significant. But if they respond to saying, well, you know, I've heard about this book. I, I know about it. You know, I've read parts of it. Even if that's true, what that you're they, saying is, is yeah, if it's true, the reason maybe you've seen this book is, is in the context of them telling you how to respond to slanderers like us who are misusing mm-hmm. it. So it's not that they're taking this and saying, look, this is father's words. We should look at this and examine it and, and see what he says and learn from it. It's not that context where they're, they're telling you to go and right. read it and learn from this is God's word. So you want to know what God says. They're not doing that. Maybe they're in the context of telling you how to refute people who are pulling this book out and, and and showing you the problems in it. So that's and, that's an important distinction to make. Maybe you have heard about this book, but it's not in the context that it should be in that they are pushing you to, again to read Father's words, but they're just simply telling you how to respond to the attacks against it. And they're trying to get in front of it like people, they're trying to get in front of it like people try to do with a scandal these days. If there's a scandal, no, yeah. they'll put out a press release and try to get in front of it before it comes out. Well, hey, you're, you know, there's a good chance nowadays that you might hear about this. So we're going to try to get in front of it by saying, hey, there is a book, but I don't believe what you're being told by these apostates or these Babylonians. You know, here's what it really means. But, you know, again, <clears throat> truth has nothing to fear. 
you well, know, from error. Error has stuff to fear from truth. You know, don't let yourself be a victim of information control. Test all things. And I would encourage everybody in the church, read this book. Doesn't matter what your deacon or missionary says, read this book. This is Anzang Hong. He's your higher authority. You think he's God, read the book and read then it. see how that reconciles. But you cannot reconcile this with the church. Well, well, I just want to say the reason we're spending so much time on this book mm-hmm. is because we want to make the point that this is something you should read. And, yeah. and as we are answering in this video, the staff of Moses chapter one, uh, what I found just uh, crazy is that I didn't even have to necessarily go to the Bible on my own to refute this book. I could simply go to Ong Song Hong's own words and with his own words, he refutes everything that basically that the World Mission Society says in staff, the Staff of Moses chapter one. And so there's a couple things again in the premise, just we're laying a foundation so that as we read these words that Ong Song Hong wrote, do not just don't just check out and say, well, this doesn't matter. This is relevant because it's not for all the reasons we just said and many more. But in the preface, he begins first, he says it's what he's about to say. What we're about to talk about is the unchanging truth of God. Next, he talks about the fact that uh, he says, uh, I just lost it. Uh, Ever, he says, you must take special care not to be deceived by these corrupt people ever again. So again, this isn't just a limited time thing. Um, this is ever again. He, he knew this was going to probably happen again. And, and then, then he the, talks uh, about not just Um Suen single, but he talks about right. women like her, right? So basically he's saying any woman who does what Um Suen has done, not only now, but in the future, don't listen to her. Okay. And what so, has she done? Interpret the book of Revelation it, as they please. Right. And what, mm-hmm. and, and what has she done, interpreted as she pleases, to say that she is Mother God? Ong Song Hong is refuting this, this idea that Revelation teaches that the Bride of Christ is a second deity, uh, Mother God. Okay, so with that, that said, again, what I read earlier, kind of a summarization statement, um, from the staff book of kind of the argument they've been making. Let me just read this last part again. They said, listen to this again. This is from the WMS is apologetic countermeasures book. They kind of summarize a lot of this, this chapter by saying, uh, can we posit, can we argue that the bride, the wife of the lamb in Revelation 19 and 22 indicates the church, the saints? No, they say, no, we can't. The wife of the lamb who gives the water of life at the heavenly wedding banquet only, keyword there, only refers to the heavenly mother. Okay, let's let's look at what Ong Song Hong had to say about that. So first, I want to I want to look at this quote, and I don't know. Do you guys have the book pulled up for yourself? Yep. Yeah. Okay, so we're we're gonna look at chapter fifteen of the problems with the New Jerusalem, the bride, and the women's veil. And I'm down um, underneath 2 Corinthians 11, 2 through 3. So, th- so this so is which, interesting. Which chapter? So chapter 15. Oh, okay. Okay, so this is chapter 15. Again, this is uh, Ong Song Hong's book. This is a chapter called A Study on the New Jerusalem of Revelation 21. Again, I'm going to put a link to this book in the description of the video so that you guys can read this yourself. So you're the under 2 Corinthians 11, 2 through 3? Right. And that's the okay. first thing that I think is important to look at. Because 
again, keep in mind earlier we read that the WMS uses in the staff, chapter one, they look at 2 Corinthians 11.2 as an example of the church, uh, of where the, the, the church is the bride of Christ. They look at that and they use 2 Corinthians 11. They pull it out as an example of why the church in 2 Corinthians 11, or the bride in 2 Corinthians 11 is different than the one in Revelation. But what Ong Song Hong does here with 2 Corinthians 11 is the exact opposite. So right here in the book, Ong Song Hong quotes 2 Corinthians 11, 2 through 3. And in the context of what he's doing with that verse is he's using it as support to show that the bride in Revelation is the same bride as in 2 Corinthians 11, 2 through 3. So immediately you have mm-hmm. Ong Song Hong flat out as clear as day refuting and, and contradicting uh, what the WMSCOG is arguing in the staff of Moses. Then he goes on, and and I'll have this pulled up on screen, but there's a quote underneath that uh, 2 Corinthians verse that he mentions. And this is what he says. He says, the bride of the lamb, this is who, okay, we just got done. Listen, think about this. We just got done reading in the staff of Moses chapter one, where the WMS says, can we say that the bride in Revelation is the church or the saints? And their answer, no, we can't. Well, let's see what Ong Song Hong says. This is what he says. The bride of the lamb are the 144,000 saints who have accepted the gospel. In addition, it is stated that there is a a tabernacle, New Jerusalem, that the Lord has prepared. Mm -hmm. So, okay, so there's several other quotes we're going to read, but what's your your guys' thoughts on on those two things? Well, I just think it's funny because... Like like you mentioned, he's he's mentioning Revelation twenty one two through three, Revelation twenty one nine to ten, which is like the one of the main verses that the WMS uses to sh- to explain, you know, why the bride is God the mother, and then Revelation nineteen another big verse, right? Um, and then he gets into Second Corinthians, which he ends it with Second Corinthians before you know his statement that clearly says that the bride is the saints, bride of the saints, right? Right. So. I just think it's, you know, it's, it's <laughs> interesting that way because the WMS has a reverse order. <laughs> so I just, I yeah, just so noticed this. They split them up. <laughs> uh, one second. So Revelation 19, if you back up actually right before 2 Corinthians 11, this is probably important to read uh, mm-hmm. because this is where you kind of, I, right now I've, it feels like I'm just kind of saying that Ong Song Hong uses 2 Corinthians to argue that way. But this is where you kind of see it as proven. So he quotes Revelation 19, 7 through 8, which says this. It says, Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory, for the wedding of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. Then Ong Song Hong says this in response to that verse. He says, Fine linen, this is part of the verse still, or the explanation, fine linen stands for the righteous acts of the saints. So then this is Ong Song Hong's words. He says, In the same way, the Apostle Paul says, and then he quotes 2 Corinthians 11, 2 through 3. So he's saying so what is that he saying? that bride is, is yeah, the he, saints. Yeah, he's, he's connecting the bride of yeah. Revelation 19 and saying, in the same way the, the Bible right. talks about the bride in Revelation, Paul talked about the bride in the same way about the saints in 2 Corinthians. Yep. Steve, That's I cut right. you off earlier. so No, not, not at all. Um, I was just going to say uh, it's interesting that not only the doctrines – of the WSC the modern church are contradicted by, you know, An Sung Hong, but the very reasoning and the understanding of scripture to get there was contradicted very clearly by An Sung. Just simple point. Yep. So okay, then let's drop down to chapter sixteen. 
again, chapter 16 of Ong Song Hong's book. This chapter is called, She Claims to Be the Only Bride. Yeah. Okay, now I'm going to drop down to uh, the, the sentence where he says, next, let's examine the biblical passages of the issue of the bride. Do you guys see that? Yep, I see Okay. It. So here's Ong Song Hong. Okay, now Revelation twenty two seventeen. The Spirit and the Bride say, "Come." This is like this is their real kicker. Okay, so again, this is what this is in in the uh, chapter one of the Staff of Moses book. They will refer to this this verse. I think I think right. they refer to it here. But this is what Ong Song Hong says about that verse. Okay, it is written. This is Ong Song Hong's words. It is written. But the spirit and the bride say, come, in Revelation twenty two seventeen, It is true that the bride here is the same bride found in Revelation 21, 9 through 10. Since it is written, come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the lamb. The wife of the lamb is the saints. Very okay. direct. Okay, so listen to this. You have the staff of Moses, the World Mission Society saying, can we say that the bride in Revelation is the saints. Their response, no. no. They say, no, you can't say that. You ask Ong Song Hong, Ong Song Hong, can we say that the bride in Revelation is the saints? And he says, yeah, absolutely. That's who the bride is. It's the saints, it's the church. He says it's as clear as day. Paul writes and he takes the gloves off and says, you stupid Galatians, whoever led you away from the truth I gave you. And so soon, how dumb can you be? And he chews them up for three chapters. Right? That's right. I mean, he gets to the Corinthians, it's a good thing I'm not there. <laughs> right? It's a good thing I'm not there, because if I was there, That's right. look out, you see? Now, what happened to Peter? Uh, chewing away in Second Peter on the people that are pushing the truth into the background. Sure. What about Paul? The people who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. What is censorship but the suppression of truth? If you can't speak, you're violating the First Amendment of the Constitution. Mm -hmm. I'm not attacking the cults. I spent 35 years of my life bringing people out of cults to Jesus Christ. Which is a great ministry. Yeah. Fantastic ministry. I'm not going to attack them. Yeah. I love them. I love them. You have been listening to The Great Light Podcast. To find more information and resources, or to watch our films, go to greatlightstudios.com or find us on Facebook and YouTube. If you want to support this program and partner with the Ministry of Great Light Studios, you can do so through our website. There you can also find both video and audio versions of this podcast.